friends and welcome to season two episode four of the nature therapy online podcast my name is Stephen McCabe and I'm an ecotherapist or nature therapist whichever term you prefer living in Midlothian in Scotland um, I'm sat here at, at home with my dog Yoro it's uh, late summer um, I'm not sure what period of the year you're in, what, wherever you are in the world or at whatever time you're tuning into this podcast for uh, right now here, it's the beginning of September in Scotland and it, it's been quite a nice summer actually, um, it's been a very nice summer, uh, the weather's been lovely which is very different to last year where I feel like it rains the whole time and it, it's, it's that kind of lovely time of year where the still new flowers sprouting and the trees are only just about starting to lose some leaves um, and there's just that freshness in the air you know it's not quite autumn but that that hint of, of, of cool crispness in the air that suggests the autumn's on its way which I absolutely love it's one of my favorite seasons but but to be honest, I like all the seasons. So, you know, you'll, you'll hear me say the same thing when it turns to, to winter and spring and, and, and summer. So um, it's probably not worth paying too much attention to that. But I do. I love them all, friends. And I, I, I do love the, the autumn. Um, and it gets me often thinking about trees. I think and that our attention turns towards them. It, it's one of the times of year when they really seem to draw our attention in, especially as the leaves begin to change colour and, and and they make their own beautiful mess with dropping all of those leaves all over the ground. We end up walking on their remains. It's, it's so fresh and magical and such a great time of year. And, 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 and this episode, this month, is on the theme of, of trees and it's about old, old trees, and I'm not entirely sure where I'm going with this episode. Um, and I quite like that I don't know where I'm going with this episode yet. I, I I'm feeling called to to explore ancient old beings, and that's what they are. They're these great big old beings, some of them living up to thousands of years old. And of course, I've done episodes in the past on, on trees. It's not the first time, you know, there's such an important part of nature. And I'll probably do more episodes on trees in the future as well. Um, um, but I wanted to, to, I guess, focus on old trees specifically in this episode which I called Old Tree, my friend. And I want to start by, by telling you a story. It's a really wise old story. And then I'm going to go out and, and, and bond with some old trees. And I'm going to lead a tree meditation later on in the episode. Um, but I want to begin with this, with this story. It's called Old Kruvi, and it's from the northeast of, of Aberdeen, and I think, of Aberdeenshire, I should say, the, that's the northeast of Scotland, Aberdeenshire, um, and I think it's just such a wise story. I, I, I don't think it needs much explaining about the, the, the deep moral in this story and the, the wisdom that was being shared by our ancestors, you know, hundreds of years ago. I don't know how old this story is, but it's, you know, many, many hundreds at least. And so it starts in the northeast of Scotland, as I said, in a really rural part of the country where there were back then, as there are still some now, really gorgeous, lush forests. And there's an old woman who lives in a stone cottage who's extremely poor. She's been widowed, it's just her and her little son, and 
she's got the worst landlord on the planet, you know. I'm sure there are plenty of nice landlords out there, um, but this was not, uh, this guy was not one of them. He just kept putting up the rent constantly, uh, knowing that he was making them poor, knowing that this old woman and, and her son were struggling to, to get by, and mostly because of the extortionate amount of money that they had to give to this greedy, rich landlord. And he knocked on the house one day, um, and the old woman answered. And I should say that the old woman was called the old woman because of how she looked. You know, she was hunched over and um, and really looked like uh, an elderly person. But in reality, she was in her mid-30s. She wasn't that old. She was old enough to have a young son at age five, you know, and... Uh, you know, this is just a symptom of how difficult her life actually was. So, so this day, this man knocks on her door and he says, you haven't paid. And she says, I, yeah, I know I haven't paid this month, but, uh, you know, you raised the money too high. It's, it's, not, it, it's not possible. There's nothing I can do. I can grow vegetables, but... That's all I can do, you know. I can't, I can't really sell them at any faster rate than I can. So this guy is like, okay, that's fine. But see your little son there, your little Jack. You can pay me with him. And I'm going to put him to work in my fields as a shepherd. And then I won't raise your rent anymore. That'll be your payment. And of course, the old woman is just devastated. She argues and she fights and, you know, verbally fights, that is, as much as she feels she can. I mean, this guy has a huge amount of power over her and eventually she agrees, but she only agrees on the proviso that the boy is able to, to base himself on the fields next to a big old wise tree called Old Kruvi. Now, Old Kruvi meant the father of the forest. There was something about this old oak tree that people just saw a lot of wisdom in. And she felt so much safer knowing that her little boy would be there. And the boy, Jack, did base there. That was the one compromise that the landlord allowed. And the boy grew up working extremely hard, but he became really close to nature. You know, this tree was uh, such a huge part of his life. He did feel like it was his father in a lot of ways. He would be sheltered by it in the when it in the rainy weather and even when it snowed and he was still outside, he could get some shelter from the winds. He'd sit in the shade in the summer. It was it, it, it was a, it was a friend to him. It smelled beautiful in the spring and he loved just to lean back against its, its hard, dry bark, and he had this sense of safety when he leaned back, like the tree literally had his back. The tree was looking after him and taking care of him. And he became tuned into the animals. He could understand what they said. He understood what the birds were saying to each other when they sang. It's a strange thing because to his ears, the bird song sounded exactly the same as it did to us, but yet it made patterns in his mind. It created patterns that translated into language and he understood the, the strange little conversations they had. And, and one day he overheard some tiny wrens having a conversation. And it was the weirdest conversation. They were saying that that night... In that field, all of the trees were going to get up out of the earth. They were going to move over to a hill and they were going to dance. They were going to dance on the hill. And Jack couldn't believe what he heard. I mean, why do trees need to dance? How do trees dance? This is absolutely crazy. But he could see the panic in the birds. And he listened again and he heard more birds talking about it, saying it's that time of year. Once a year, the trees get up to dance and that's tonight. And because that they're getting, because they're getting up to dance, the trees, uh, the birds, sorry, are going to leave the forest. They're going to leave all of the fields, all of the surrounding forest. And he saw them all flying away and he thought, okay, this is a, a really strange, really strange thing happening here, but I know it's for real. 
And just as he was starting to panic and wondering what he was going to do, a tiny little wren came and just flew on his shoulder and let him know that when the trees get up and dance, they're going to leave in their holes in the ground treasure. Because underneath each tree, under the roots, there are jewels and crystals and all kinds of treasures. We don't know why they are there in the earth. They're not under every tree. But in certain parts of the world, there is treasure underneath. And the wren tells Jack, it knows that Jack is poor and it knows that Jack's mother is also extremely poor. And it tells Jack that he's allowed to take a wee bit. He can take some jewels to make his life better, but don't be too greedy and don't take too much from the earth. Don't take too much from the earth because the earth doesn't like it. Don't take too much away from the trees because the trees don't like it. But take what you need to survive. That evening, Jack comes back. It's midnight. The moon is shining. There's a full moon. He can see clearly across the fields and he sees the trees getting up and moving. It's the strangest sight he's ever seen. They're kind of jerking from left to right, extremely stiff. Somehow they manage to lean forwards and th throw themselves out of the holes. And then they kind of, their roots act almost like spiders' legs. It's ridiculously quick how they manage to scoot away and up the hill. It's the weirdest sight ever. Jack is mesmerized but terrified, frozen to the spot. He even sees old Kruvi getting up and moving. And something tells him not to go and take anything from old Kruvi. This is too special a tree. He's given Jack shelter. He's given riches to Jack already. But he realises that his time is now if he wants to get anything. So he goes to one of the holes where a hawthorn tree was. And he goes down and he picks out some jewels. Some incredible necklaces. Just gorgeous. Almost like handcrafted by human hands. You know. Crystals. Expensive gold and silver everything is down there but he stops himself from being too greedy fills up his pockets and says okay i'm gonna leave the rest for the tree because the earth doesn't like it when you take too much but over in the big gaping hole where the old Kruvi tree is, the father of the forest, he can see a pair of hands reaching out of the hole. Someone's down there taking absolutely everything, putting out piles and piles of jewels, just piles. Everything. Somebody is not respecting the fact that you need to leave something in the earth for the trees. This guy's taking everything. So, so Jack out of a sense of kindness, just walked up to this hole where whoever this person was, he sensed it was a man, at least. He went up and, and just whispered, Say, say, you can't take everything from old Groovy. The trees are starting to come back down off the hill already and old Groovy is coming back to his hole. Say, he'll be very angry if he sees that you've taken everything. Say, you need to put some back. And the man just says, get out of here. Just shift it, move, child. I know who you are and I'll put your rent up. Give me any more bother. Because of course it was the landlord. His greedy landlord. Taken out of the earth like it takes from, from Jack and his mother. And Jack just decides he needs to go. He can't wait around any longer because he can see all of the trees starting to return. The weird le spider leg like motion, like the, the roots of the trees are just full of this, this, this energy. It's almost like a dance the way they run towards their holes down the hill. And it's a, it's a terrifying sight terrifying 
So Jack runs, but as he runs and he gets away, he hears the most horrible screaming that he's ever heard. He hears what he can swear is the sound of bones crushing. He turns around and looks out the corner of his eye as he's still walking away really fastly as he's still gathering pace. He slows down a bit just to look and he can see that the old groovy has settled itself back into his hole and he can hear the landlord screaming in agony as he dies underneath. Now Jack went back to his mother and he told her what happened. He sold the things that he'd found. And it was enough for them to repair the house, to get themselves back on their feet. They made their cottage like a little palace. It wasn't a rich life, but it was enough. It was enough to get them out of poverty, to start some, to start some business, to be able to find a market stall, sell more of their fruit and vegetables, invest more. And whilst they heeded the message from the earth, not to take too much, the message that the birds gave to him, that the, that the earth was given to him, the landlords that wanted to take everything from the earth ended up buried, ended up creating his own grave. The new landlord is also... Um, of the cottage was the old landlord's son and he was much nicer, much kinder, didn't put the rent up. Jack and his mum, you could say lived happily ever after. I'm not sure if they did or not because I think probably life is a bit more complicated than happily ever afters but they certainly didn't have problems with poverty again because they knew not to take too much, just to take what you need from the earth and to leave the rest there. And that is the story of old Kruvi. So friends, I hope you enjoyed that traditional old story from Scotland. And I'm going to finish this section of the podcast and in the next section of the podcast, um, you will probably hear me out and about somewhere. So I hope to uh, I hope that you tune in and, and you enjoy the next section of the podcast. So here we go. Bye-bye. Hello, friends. I'm uh, out in the South Esk Valley in Midlothian, near where I live. I record quite a lot of podcasts here, as uh, regular listeners will know. And this is a gorgeous native forested area in this valley. On either side of the valley are two roads that lead from my village temple into other villages in the area. And this, uh, this valley here, this woodlands, runs for quite a few miles. Um, it's a native woodlands and it's mixed woodlands at various points in this place. There are trees, like of all kinds, all different kinds it feels. I know there are, there, are, there are yew areas, there are oak areas, there are redwoods, beeches, hawthorns, hazels, all kinds of cypress, everything. And it's the perfect place for me to bond with an old tree because there are so many old trees here, trees that must be hundreds and hundreds of years. I wouldn't even be surprised if there were trees in this place that reached a thousand or even more. So I want you to walk with me and treat this moment like, like a meditation. I want you to visualize where I am so you can meet this tree with me. So you can probably hear the water in the background there. I'm at the bottom of the valley and I'm walking on a on a path. So I've just crossed a, a cobweb. I feel quite bad about that. But it was the only way through. On either side of me are lots of 
fans and small trees. The river is running to my left. There are twisted beech trees by the river. And then up on the other side, there's the embankment leading up. And to my right is the tree I'm looking for. The whole earth here is carpeted with dry old leaves. I think a lot of these leaves are actually from last year that haven't actually broken down. There's so many of them. So maybe you can be with me and, and listen. I'm coming off the path, walking to my right. I picked up a feather. Beautiful greyish white feather. I'm walking through the long grasses, past birch trees. There's no path here, it's wild. Ash trees, ferns, long tall grass. I'm approaching the old tree that we're going to spend some time with. Still holding on to this beautiful feather that looks like it's maybe from a maybe from a wood pigeon. Here's Yoro, my dog. I'm here at the foot of a redwood tree. And in case you you don't know redwoods. They're not native to Scotland, they're these days mostly native to the uh, Pacific coast of the USA. I think California is quite famous for them, but they've, over the years of uh, British colonialism, have made their way to the UK like trees of many kinds have, and in this forest here that's full of a lot of native species there are lots of these really old redwoods and before me is this mighty tree it's raised up out of the earth in front of me the rest of the earth all around is is, is covered in fern and we're quite low here it's almost like this enormous tree is stood on a podium on a stage amongst the fern and the ash trees and the birches around. And there's something that I always need to do when I'm here. But before I do, I just want to tell you how huge this tree is. This tree is reaching for the clouds, it really is. There are wider trees, you may have seen wider trees in your life. I, if I was to join hands with some friends and we were to collectively hug around this tree, probably, probably three or four of us would be needed to join hands all the way around. So it's pretty wide, pretty magnificent. And whenever I see this tree reaching up into what is a blue sky here today, I always feel like I need to come up and just walk around it once just to walk all the way around and Yoro's with me of course Yoro always feels the need to pee on this tree because he doesn't have the same level of respect for this old friend that I do I want you to just visualize yourself now walking with me we're walking clockwise around this big earthy podium that this tree stands upon. There are old dry needles all around it, passing some nettles, walking around the grass. The sun is beaming some light onto the tree. 
there are some small holly trees growing here. We've almost made it all the way around. And we're coming up onto the earthy podium with this gorgeous old tree and Yoro has walked the other way around, haven't you love? He's gone the, the anti-clockwise way. And this tree is so soft. Its bark is so soft and spongy. Listen, just listen to how this sounds, this rubbing sound. How do you feel when you hear that sound? I'm looking up and this tree, which must be hundreds of years old, hundreds and hundreds of years old, It's got so many twisted branches growing out of the tree. It must be hundreds and hundreds of, 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 of branches growing directly out. I'm leaning against it and I'm just wondering that, I'm wondering how many people have done this before with this tree. These days, I don't think that many people actually would spend time with this tree, to be honest, which makes my connection with it feel a, a bit special. Um, not many people really come into this valley. Um, it's gotten a lot busier during lockdown, but, but still a lot busier means that on a sunny day at the weekend, you could go for a walk for couple of miles around here and maybe bump into four people that's what a lot busier means in this part of uh, Midlothian in this in this woodlands so this tree which is you know only a short way off the pathway um, but not on the pathway you know out amongst all of these wild fans I'd be surprised if people come and visit it but but I was here with uh, a friend at the weekend. My friend Julia came up from Manchester and I was here with Julia and my partner Lucas and my dog Yoro and we were on the pathway and Julia just turned to her right and she just said, I need to go and see this tree. And she came up and we followed with her. I'm always enthusiastic about this tree and I was uh, really happy actually that she chose this one. And and interestingly, I saw it, she came up, she walked up the earthy podium and she just walked all the way around in a clockwise direction, just like I just did. And just like I always feel compelled to do. And I'm so curious about that. I'm so curious about how different beings in nature compel us to connect with them in certain ways in, in these sometimes these ritualistic ways that we don't really quite understand. Uh, we're not sure why we're compelled to do them. There may be deep psychological reasons behind it, but there may be some spiritual connections going on, you know? You can view it however you like, but for me, the psychological and the spiritual are two, uh, two of the same. They're, they're not separate from each other. For me, like to live a spiritual life is just to love life. That's enough, you know. To notice nature and to be with it and to, and to feel compelled to do what you need to do when you approach mighty beings like this huge, gorgeous tree. Reaching up into the sky with its needles and soft beautiful bark and it's wide trunk on this podium touching the sky 
And I do, I wonder how many people have been here before and I have a lot of wonders about that. Or I wonder a lot of things, I should say, about that. If this tree is hundreds and hundreds of years old, how many people have stood right next to it, just like me over the years? How, how different was the culture of, of the land here for people, you know? How much more woodlands will there have been for a start? You know, these roads that flank the top of the valley either side probably weren't here when this tree started to grow. The pathways, I don't know, they might have been different. Would have been more wild animals. There might have even been uh, still some serious uh, predators out here. We might have still had wolves and, and lynxes. Maybe going back to one point, there were even, even bears here. I don't know. I mean, having said that, this is classed as a native woodland and not an ancient woodland. So there is a difference with those definitions, I believe. And a native woodland, and, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm not an expert on nature. So um, I'm always open to you letting me know. But my understanding of the way these are defined in the UK is that a native woodland has a lot of native species living in it. And they're often very old, but it doesn't necessarily mean that this piece of land has always been a wild space in the way that it is now. But I wonder how old, you know, I, I, I wonder how different things have been. I mean, even the, the decline in species over the last even 20 years is, is immense. So, you know, what did this place look like 300 years ago before we'd killed off certain predators and perhaps older, I should say. And what people were here, what did they dress like? What did they look like? Did they stroke this bark or the bark of the tree? Because that's another thing, isn't it? You know, this bark is not the same bark that was here when this tree was young. I want you to picture this tree with me right now. It's reddish bark, it's soft bark with a sort of green, some kind of green, I don't know, is that some kind of baby lichen growing? I don't know. But there's something very soft and green on the surface, almost like a lime grey colour. And if you look up with me and you see the hundreds and hundreds of branches growing directly out with the, the fronds on, how it grows up into a point. I don't know how big it is, 200 feet. This is huge, this is a huge tree. And through the branches, I can see the clear blue sky. And I can see tall, thin ash trees growing really high, but really, really thin. I bet they struggle in the, in the wind. And I'm going to lean back on this tree and I want you to imagine yourself leaning back on this old wise tree with me. Just feeling the security of being held by nature. Of nature literally having our backs at this moment. the wild ferns all in front of us, with the sunlight gently beaming onto it, the river a little further away and all of these thick trees under the blue sky. And this tree has got my back like so many trees out there offer offer themselves to nature and to the world to, to, to connect with. Let's just take a quiet moment together to picture this scene.
I just realised that the leaves from uh, a witch tree are pointing directly in my face. <laughs> I didn't even know. Almost threateningly, like, what are you doing here in my space? <laughs> the, the tip of the leaf is pointing right between my eyes. And it's so funny how you can be in a moment with nature like I am with this tree and like maybe you are in your imagination with this tree and not notice what is right in front of us because this is sometimes so hard sometimes there's so much around us we don't take in the most obvious things and it takes us slowing down and being in the space to see what is actually here It's a big truck going by on the street above, on the road. And I'm going to turn around. Still got hold of the feather and I'd forgotten all about it. That's another interesting thing that can happen, can't it? We tune into some part of our experience and tune out of another. And I've had this lovely white, grey, silvery feather with me and I'm actually going to put it down at the foot of the tree you could call it an offering if you like I'm going to walk away with Yoro come on Yoro come on I think he wants to stay at the tree now yeah usually he's dragging me away from from my little nature spots but um, it appears Yoro wants to stay come on you coming I'm going to move away a little You'll hear me wading through this grass. I'm trying not to do any more. I'm trying to do as little damage as I can. I'm just going to turn around to this amazing tree. I'm just going to bow to it a little. You don't have to when you connect with nature. And I'm looking at it from a different perspective and looking at this big cone-like, almost like a the world's most giant Christmas tree pointing up into this clear blue sky. It's just gorgeous. I realise I'm not following my same pathway out. And what I'd like to invite you to do is to go for a walk sometime soon and to connect with an old tree and when you connect with it I want you to connect in two ways and this is very much my approach to ecotherapy it's it, it's based in mindfulness and also in creativity and imagination of course ecotherapy can be done in hundreds of other ways because it's, it's so flexible nature's everything but th this is this is how I approach things and it's how I like to work so Find a tree that looks really, really old. Just coming back to the river now. Come on, Yoro, this way. He'll be happy that we're moving. He really doesn't like it when I stay still and record podcasts. Come on, boy. Come on, good boy. I think he wants a biscuit. Here you go. So I want you to find an old tree and I want you to spend some time just appreciating it for what it is so trying to you know put aside the things that we project onto our surroundings you know the things we re might relate to and the ways that we put our personalities onto our surroundings and our experience onto it and trying to just get into the actual experience of the tree like what what's it doing here how's it growing what might be living on it that's something i didn't explore just then but that's so fascinating to take a detailed look and see the signs of life it that's if there isn't any life you know other life other than the tree already on there that you can see because there will be there will be support in all kinds but just to see what is actually here what does it look like what does it feel like how do i feel leaning against it stroking its bark maybe there's a scent around that I can tune into. Exploring it with your senses as it is, but then 
when you've spent some time appreciating it on its own terms. I'd like you to then delve into your imagination and think if this tree that you found is so old, what might life have been like before? And just cast your mind into, into an era that you've never experienced. Even if your tree, it doesn't have to be hundreds of years old or thousands, maybe the tree you find is only, you know, 50, 60 years old. I mean, you won't necessarily know, you have to just go with your intuition with this, you know. I can't say I'm an expert on, on trees and, and I'm certainly not able to look at different kinds of trees and, and have what I believe are truly accurate guesses on their age. I'm often going with my gut and the little snippets of information I know about different species. I'm just saying, yeah, that feels old, that looks old. Use your imagination, cast your mind back. Who might have been to this tree with you? Or before you, I should say. Not with you. And what might the land have looked like around the tree before it looked like it does today? And take a journal with you if you like and take some notes and just enjoy being with it, rest with it. I had a really beautiful moment just then when we had that silent moment by the tree. And I often have them if I'm leaning against a tree, especially an old tree like that one. Um, just this immense calm. I'm going to leave that with you for now before I move on to the next section of the podcast and the, uh, the final section of the podcast. And thank you for being here and, and, and sharing my, my moments with my, my old friends, the old Redwood. So I will see you shortly for the next section, friends. Bye-bye. Okay, friends, so this is the, the final section of this month's podcast centred around old trees, magnificent old trees and I'm going to finish this month with a meditation so wherever you are right now um, I hope that it's conducive to you being able to have some kind of um, connection with what I'm about to do if not but you feel like you might like to save this it's a, it's a grounding meditation it's a, a, a tree based visualization and um, so if you feel like this is something you would benefit from and maybe at this particular moment i don't know you're i don't know w walking down the street or you're cooking food or you're doing something that is not going to lend itself to this then then you might want to pause and come back to it at a later time um but having said that, you know, if, if you are somewhere where you can take around 10 minutes or so um, to, to either sit or, or even lie down or just find a comfortable, quiet spot, um, then, then, then maybe, maybe you can do this ad hoc. Even if you're, I don't know, lying in bed, I know a lot of people listen to, to podcasts to help them drift off to sleep, then maybe it could be um, helpful in that situation as well so okay so this is a, a grounding meditation so the type of grounding meditation I usually do is one where we go through our senses one by one and it's something I've done on this podcast quite a lot and it's something I do in ecotherapy groups when we're outdoors quite a lot and even when I run online ecotherapy groups sometimes we do them indoors and, and I will ask people to go through how it feels to be connected to the earth how their skin feels going through all of their senses 
to ground ourselves in the physical, in being here. But this is a slightly different kind. And it's the first time that I've ever tried to lead this meditation, but I've had my eye on it for a really long time because I've, 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 I've been uh, guided myself with this one in the past. And I think it's, it's, it's so beautiful. Um, and of course, in the, uh, in the theme of this, this podcast, can't get my words out there, folks, and the, the, the theme of the month, it, 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 there is a tree theme. So that's part of the visualization. So I would like you to start right now just by taking a few deep breaths to begin with. And as you take those deep breaths, I want you to imagine the breath traveling down your body, down into your legs and into your feet. So breathe with me and breathe down into your legs and into your feet. Feel your feet getting heavier and connecting strongly with the floor. Or even if you're lying down, you might want to just, just turn, your, turn your feet so they're, they're placed onto the floor or the surface, wherever it is that you're lying. And feel as you breathe out the breath expanding through your toes and expanding out into the earth, into the surface you're on. There may be distracting noises around coming from um, the background here where I'm recording the podcast or at home where you are and that's okay. Life is full of distractions and noises and when you're distracted just come back to that feeling of the, of the breath going through your toes and expanding out into the earth. Your feet are falling deeper and deeper into the warm earth. You're feeling safe and held and supported. Imagine your feet feeling warm in the earth. Like it's almost becoming a part of you at your ankles. Each time you notice yourself breathing out, you're breathing that air back into your feet and into your toes and, and you slowly begin to feel your feet becoming the roots of a great old tree, expanding and connecting with the womb of the earth itself. such a secure feeling. You feel really cradled in this space almost. And with your feet so, so rooted, you feel a, a grounded energy from the earth itself traveling up your body, nutrients from the earth coming back into your body and and imagine that through your head and your arms and your hands, you are the great branches of a mighty tree. 
your head is a branch of a mighty tree, your arms are the branches of a mighty tree, your hands are. Everything you can hear at the moment around you is what this mighty tree can hear. Perhaps you hear children playing or other sounds. You're incredibly strong, but, but you can move slightly and easily. You can just sway a little. And you slowly become aware of the changing seasons around you and you feel this gentle effect of shedding and rebirth of the body. Time is so different as a tree as, as it is when you're human. You can feel the sun in the summer beaming down, warming your bark. And now you feel the, the loss of the leaves tingling and floating away to preserve your energy. And so soon afterwards you feel the stillness of winter, which is kind of a comfortable coolness. The feeling of snow on your bark is like sparkles like stardust keeping you alive and vibrant finally you move into spring and you can sense the life around you beginning to move tiny birds nesting in your branches a sense of companionship with the animals coming alive and nesting within you it's like you are a house a home for animals You feel the gentle changes and sounds of the countryside. Children shouting, playing, banging. You feel rejuvenated and alive. Strong and yet with a softness. Safe and supported and at peace. safe, supported, and at peace. Safe, supported, and at peace. Just notice your breath for a little longer. Breathing as a tree breathes. But slowly feel that breath morph back into, into human breath. Slowly become aware of, of where you are where you're either sitting or lying, leaning, however you are, however your posture is. And just slowly bring your focus back to the room, to your body. You might want to just very slightly move, perhaps your shoulders or your neck. And come back into full awareness and 
be present completely once again after after the count of five after five four three two and one and back I hope you found that to be a, a, a grounding experience or some people call it earthing you know just given this sense of, of connection and felt like a really beautiful way to round off this this theme of the old tree to delve into the experience of the tree a little with our imaginations and um, although as a little snippet um, to, to slowly round off this this episode as a, as a wee snippet the scientists who are looking into the life of trees actually um, think that it's the other way around that the, uh, the 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 roots of the tree are almost like the brains of a human they act as uh, the way the nerves in our brains might you know by even though obviously you know trees and and, uh, and, and, and plants you know don't don't have brains and you know there's although there is a lot of discussion around uh, whether trees are sentient or not and i think it's a very interesting discussion because you know they 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 do really achieve some amazing feats to live as long as they do. And it takes forward planning, according to many scientists. Um, I'm open to one way or another, you know, sentient or not sentient. They're still beautiful and, and incredible beings as far as I'm concerned. Um, but, my, but, but yeah, the, the people who are doing this research um, are proposing that the roots of the tree are like the brains of a human and the, the branches are almost like the the legs, the body parts. So in a way it, it's, um, you know, it's a little bit like we would be having our, our, our heads under the earth and our, and our butts sticking up in the air if we were trees. Um, but interesting, interesting theory and uh, interesting way of looking at things. Um, but however, for the for this meditation, I think you know it 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 feels so so powerful to feel the off our, our feet and our legs extending into roots. I certainly I certainly feel calm just leading that wee meditation there. So I'm going to wrap up now, folks. And um, if you would like to join one of my online ecotherapy programs and um, where groups of us get together online and we explore nature through different tasks and come back together and share our experiences um, in all kinds of ways then please visit me online at naturetherapyonline.net and look at the online groups and programs section um, I work with people all over the world. It's one of the things that I love about the internet. Um, actually, it, it can really help us to to get away from the internet, funnily enough, and, and engage with nature if you use it in the correct way. So, so please do get in touch, or or just get in touch to say hello if you you know if you're out there and you're listening to the podcast, and you know perhaps it, it, if it's helping you to connect with nature in any way it really helps me to know that and and you know it really um it, it really brings me a lot of joy when i get such sweet emails from people and and i'm so honored that i do get emails from people letting me know that this help uh, this podcast is helpful and, and helps people to connect so uh, so just get in touch for whatever reason folks and you can also find me on Patreon, if you'd like to make a, a wee donation to keep the podcast, uh, help keep the podcast going, help keep it part of my waking life. And you can find that at patreon.com forward slash nature therapy online. And that is me for the month. It's been really enjoyable. I've loved doing this episode. I really have. And I hope to, to see you or to hear you or connect with you in some way somehow soon friends so take care and bye bye
visit me online at naturetherapyonline.net.